Well, let's take our Bibles together to the book of Nehemiah. And we're in chapter 11. And I got all these names again. But they're different names. I'm sure if it's your name, you'd want me to read your name. Well, I love, the, I, I love the Word of God, even the parts, you know. There's nothing about the Bible that's boring. There's something about me that's boring. <laughs> but we're not trying to be entertained. We're trying to get God's truth. i tell you what's, what let's do. Let's, uh, let's hold our finger here in Nehemiah 11. And would you take your Bible to 1 Corinthians 12? Because I want to try and make an application to the church, the body of Christ, with what he's doing with the people of God in Israel. You know, all the word of God is for our learning. It's for our example. It may, may not all be to us, but it's all for us. And there's something to learn from Nehemiah chapter 11, though this is dealing with the Jewish nation and the remnant that now is in Jerusalem. There are some applications to the people of God in the New Testament, even as there were some things God was doing for His people in the Old Testament. And we are not a physical nation that you can see all living in one place, but the Bible does say we are a holy nation. The church is a nation. I'm glad I'm a citizen. And uh, we're God's nation, we're God's people. Now, we don't try to steal the promises of the Jews. You've got to understand the distinction between the Jew and the church and the Gentile. Different groups of people the Bible's written to. What God says to save people, He don't say to lost people. You can't make application to something in the Bible that's said to a Christian to somebody that's not a Christian. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't take some things God said to the Jewish people and just automatically steal that for yourself as a Christian. People have gotten very mixed up in their doctrine by trying to do that. But nevertheless, there's something to learn from Nehemiah chapter 11. And I think uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me, the Bible says in verse number 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. The Bible's telling us about the body of Jesus Christ, and we who are saved, we're all members of that body. And, and, and let me, since we had some people that we had to deal with the other day about this. Verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That is not water baptism. If you believe that's water baptism, you're going you're gonna to believe heresy. We are not Church of Christ. We don't believe in baptism or regeneration. There's more than one kind of baptism in the Bible. There's baptism of fire, baptism in the cloud, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But he says all of us have been put into that one body, though we're so different, many of us, different members. Look at verse 18. And I really want to see this verse in light of Nehemiah chapter 11. 
But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. If you're saved, if you're in the body of Christ, every one of us have a place to fill. And it is God that sets us in our place. It's not we that go out and grab that place for ourselves. It's God that sets us in that place. And the Word of God tells us that the Spirit, the Lord Jesus gives to every man a certain measure, a certain gift, a certain ability, a certain talent, a certain place to fill. He talks about this body, about the foot and the eye, and, and every, there's all different. And that's what we want to see tonight in the book of Nehemiah. God put his people in very different places. And I want to ask you, are you willing to find the place that God wants you to fill as his people? Back to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 11, the Bible says in verse number 1, And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Now these are the chief of the province that dwelt in Jerusalem. But in the cities of Judah dwelt everyone in his possession, in their cities. To wit Israel, the priests and the Levites and the Nethanims and the children of Solomon's servants. And at Jerusalem dwelt certain of the children of Judah. And of the children of Benjamin, of the children of Judah, Athaiah, the son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Amariah, the son of Shephatiah, the son of Mahalaliel. Felt like I just spoke in tongues. <laughs> of the children of Perez and Maaseah, the son of Baruch, the son of Colhosa, the son of Hezaiah, the son of Adaiah, the son of Joyrib, the son of Zechariah, the son of Shelanai. Now what you're reading is, there had to be some people that were willing to be placed wherever it was best for God's people. They were willing to live wherever God wanted them to live. I'm talking about their home. I'm talking about where they raised their family. And what they did is nobody really wanted to live in Jerusalem. And we know that, remember back in chapter 7, just turn over there real fast. He said in Nehemiah chapter 7, when he's talking about the things, he's talking about verse number 4. The city was large and great, but the people were few therein and the houses were not builded. There there was a lot of fear. People didn't want to live inside the city. You know, people are still afraid to live inside the city. Anybody want to volunteer to go live in Chicago? No. Anybody want to volunteer to go live downtown Miami or New York City? 
I think this, this message tonight has particular application to us. Because we love our situation. We love our safety. We love where we live. We, I, Brother Bill and I were knocking on doors last Saturday. And we knocked on doors and found two people that moved down from Tennessee because they're trying to find a safe place to live. From Tennessee. And one guy told us the town he lived in, and he said, yeah, there are drive-by shootings in my town. He said, I got so tired of people driving by and shooting people. He said, we, 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 we just found this little out-of-the-way place down here in Ardmore. We're going to come move down here. Well, I sort of understand that a little bit. But now you think about it. What if God needed you to move to a city? What if God wanted you to move? And nobody really wants to go. <laughs> so you know what they do? They, they cast lots for it. <laughs> we'll draw straws to see who have to go live in the city. Do you see that in the Bible? It's right there in verse number, in chapter 11, verse number 1. The people cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem and nine parts to dwell in the other city. In other words, they said this, we're going to give God a tithe. You know what the tithe was? 10% of the people to go live in the city. And that probably was a pretty big sacrifice. So they all put their name in it. Sort of like that deal that we preached on last week in chapter 10. You remember that? In Nehemiah chapter 10, where, where was that? They, they, they cast lots about... Uh, 34, yeah. And we cast the lots among the, uh, among the priests, the Levites, and the people for the wood offering to bring it. They cast lots to see who would go get the wood because nobody wanted to bring the wood in. Well, let's just put our names in. We, we said that about the nursery and other things. Well, wasn't that funny? Everybody laugh until we do it. <laughs> and then somebody said, oh, I'm going to put my name in. Mm, I wouldn't do that. We all need to be willing. And so they all put their name in the hat and they drew it out about who's going to do the wood offering. And that worked so well. They said, I tell you what, we've got to have more people living in Jerusalem. So let's just put all our names and draw out and 10% of us will go live in Jerusalem. I wonder, would you be willing to live wherever God wanted you to live for the benefit of God's people? Mm. I like to pick out where I live, don't you? But are we so independent from God that if he wanted us to live somewhere else, we wouldn't be willing to do that? I'd say this. If it, it's a pretty big thing to go live in the place that God wants you to live. I'd say if you could do that, you could probably do a lot of other things. I'm willing. You need me to go? Yes, sir. I'll go. We'll, our family will go live in uh, Jerusalem. So I can hear, hear somebody say, well, well, I don't like that place. I like my neighbors out here in the country. Are you willing to resign to your will for the benefit of the will of God and the people of God? I'm not really even talking about where you live. I'm talking about your wanter. I'm talking about your want to. I'm talking about what's on the inside of you. What pushes you and drives you to make the decisions that you make? And they say, well, God needs us to live in the city. We'll do that uh, even though I might be a country person. I mean, look down there. Look at these country people. Verse 20. Watch it. Watch it. Verse 20. And the re- I'm in chapter 11. Again, and the residue of Israel. That's the rest of the people didn't get drawn. 
You know, they didn't even pray about it because they probably didn't have confidence in everybody's prayers. No, we're not going to pray. Just, just, just draw straws. That way we won't fight about it as bad. <laughs> and the residue of Israel of the priests and the Levites were in all the cities of Judah. So there are other cities to live in too, everyone his inheritance. But the Nethanims dwelt in Ophel. So they, they got another place to live. And Zion and Gizpah were over the Nethanims. Drop down to verse number 25. And for the villages. Oh, that's, I want to live in the village. Well, you didn't get to if, if your name got drawn. And for the villages with their fields, some of the children of Judah dwelt at Kirjath Arba, and in the villages thereof, and at Dibon, and in the villages thereof, and at Jechaziel, and in the villages thereof. See, see, a whole, that's a whole different type of life in the village as it is in the city. There, there's a cost for where you live and how you live. You say, well, I, I want to live in the villages. He said, 26, and Jesuit Malata and, and at Bethphalet and at Hazar Shua. These are all different places at Beersheba and in the villages thereof and at Ziklag and at, at, uh, Makona and in the villages thereof. Very different life in the village than in the city. And at En Ramon and at Zaria and at Jarmuth, Zenoah, Adullam and in their villages there is again. Lachish and the fields thereof and Ezekiel and the villages thereof. And they dwelt from Beersheba and the valley of Hinnom. The children also of Benjamin from uh, Geba dwelt at Michmash and Aja and Bethel and in the villages. You see that? At Anathoth, Nob, Ananias, Hazor, all these different places. Verse 35, the valley of Christmas. These are different places they're all living. But some of them had to be willing to move to the city. We were going yesterday to the, the festival to preach and to give tracts and stand up for Jesus. As we were coming back, we, there was a conversation that started in the van about how beautiful the hills were in Tennessee. And um, somebody mentioned about how somebody really liked the hills and the mountains a whole lot more than the flatlands of Alabama. Can I say I'm in that number? i never forget going to Virginia. I said, oh, Lord, I can die up here. These mountains up here, they, they're calling my name. I like that. But you know, if you want me to go live in a swamp, Lord, I guess I'll go live in a swamp. And it'll be a wonderful life. Do you know when you get what you want, it's not what you thought? You work so hard to get all your dreams and get it just like you think, and then you get it, and it just doesn't have that shine, and it doesn't have that sparkle, and doesn't. And then you're looking for something else because you just can't ever find anything to make you satisfied. I tell you what, just put your name in the hat, let God draw a lot, and wherever He wants you to live, it'll be the best place to live. Lord, if you want me to live on the mission field, Do you need me to live over there for your body, for your sake? Wherever you need me to live, Lord. There are some people not willing to live on the mission field. There are some people not willing to live in America. Could I, could I even say that without you misunderstanding what I'm saying? There are some people that go to a mission field to get away from their life. Because they don't want to live where they're living. I've met people that moved to the mission field because they thought it was a good place to raise their kids away from everybody in America. But you know, none of that matters. It's God. 
Where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to be? Not my will, but thy will be done. Your place is the best place for me. Mm. I know these people weren't Baptists. They'd be going to, to, to the city. Mm. I told you you shouldn't have put your name in the hat. <laughs> now what are we going to do? I tell you what, I'll go, but I won't like it. Can you put yourself in this story? Now, what did we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? That God has set us in the body wherever it pleased Him. You know, maybe it's, it's, it's not about where you put your house or where you lay your head, probably. It's probably about something else in your life that you want to do and God's got something else for you to do and you don't want to do it. We're going to look at these people in here. There's all type of people in here. Some of them living in a city. Some of them are living in a village. Some of them are, are soldiers. Some of them are gatekeepers. Some of them are uh, singers. Some of them uh, are the Levites that deal with the animals and the candles inside. Some of them are baking bread. What if they were all just upset? Well, I don't know why I get this job. They could have been all envious of one another. Can you see this in this text? Why, why do we have to go live in Jerusalem? Why didn't we get to live in the village? Why don't we get to live over there in the city of Judah? Why do I have to butcher the animals? That guy over there, all he does is lead in prayer all the time. I want his job. Why can't I be a prayer? Well, maybe you're not a good prayer. Maybe you're a better butcher than you are a singer. And the quandary of life is, I always want somebody else's job. Or why, why can't I do that? i never forget one year, one time I almost just totally canceled Sunday school because, uh, because people were jealous of other people's being able to teach. I thought, how, how crazy that is. In other words, if I, don't get, if I don't get to do what I want to do, I'm going to pick up my ball and go home. You know, that's so childish. And that doesn't help the body. That doesn't help the body. And so, we, are you willing to live where it's best for God's people? Not maybe best for you. Well, let's look at another, look down verse 6. Something else for God's people. Verse number 6. All the sons of Perez that dwelt at Jerusalem were four hundred. Hundred three score and eight valiant men. Well, here these are like soldiers. You know what valiant means? That means strong. Eighteen twenty-eight says strong, brave, courageous, heroic, intrepid of danger. In other words, the danger doesn't even bother them. They, these are these men, and these are the sons of Benjamin, Selu, the son of Mishlam, the son of Joab, the son of Pedaiah, the son of Kolaiah, the son of Maaseiah, the son of Ithiel. These are these valiant men, the son of Jesai, and after him, uh, Gabai, uh, Selai, 928, and Joel, the son of Zechariah, was their overseer. Somebody probably wanted his job too. And Judah, the son of Senua, was second over the city. All these valiant men... Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, And his brethren, chief of the fathers, 240 and 2, and Amashai, the son of Azariel, the son of 
Ahaziah, the son of Mishlemoth, the son of Emer. Verse 14, and their brethren, watch it now, mighty men of valor. And 128, everybody in there weren't, weren't soldier quality. Everybody in there wasn't ready to fight, uh, you know, the good fight and stand up and, and, and be the soldiers. And their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of one of the great men. You know what I, what I like to say tonight? Great men should raise some valiant sons. Do you remember that guy, Benny, Benny, the son of Jehoiada, one of David's most mighty? You remember that guy? You know what the Bible said about his dad? The Bible said that, that his dad was a great man. His dad was a valiant man and he raised his boy to be a valiant, a valiant man. A great mighty man as well. Mighty men of valor. And when Solomon took the throne, he probably didn't have a stronger soldier than Benny. That's because he had a strong dad. May God help us to raise some strong men behind us. Somebody's got to be valiant for the truth. That's what Jeremiah said. Hebrews 11 talks about those men of faith that waxed valiant in fight. I try to look up what a valiant man was just in the context of the verses of the Scripture. 2 Samuel 17.10 said a valiant man has the heart of a lion. Yeah, man, if somebody tries to come back through the back door back there, you're going to want somebody that's got a heart of a lion to meet them at the door. Isn't that right? Valiant men. Ready to fight. And that's not everybody's place in life. But somebody's got to fill that place. Somebody's got to be willing to be that soldier. God needs some valiant, strong-hearted, as we preached or taught about Wednesday night, the righteous are as bold as a lion. you got to have, amen, you got to have somebody just bold, amen. Something comes in, they just look it in the face, you know. No, not here. Are you willing to fill that place? God needs you to fill that place of a soldier. I see some other valiant guys here. Look at verse 19. It said, Moreover, the porters, Jacob, Talman, and their brethren that kept the gates were in 172. The porters. They're the guy, they're the security team. They're the guys that say, Okay, you get to come in. No, you don't get to come in. They keep the gates. They make sure the bad stays out and the good stays in. They're porters. You know, the Bible tells us, Jesus told us in the Gospels, He said that, that, that He gave to His servants a commandment to watch. And He said the servants were porters. You know, all of us are gatekeepers, in a sense, if you're saved. All of us are God's watchmen that need to be watching the gates of our families, of our lives. But, but, you know, everybody can't fill that position. We've got some gatekeepers here at the church. We'll just bring it on home as, as, a, as a physical reference. we got a man right back, out, back, back there tonight. He's watching the gates. Amen. And, you know what, well, we just don't put anybody back there. We put somebody back there that watches the gates that also knows how to use a weapon. Now... I really appreciate Miss Heather over here. She's a blessing. She ain't watching the gates. 
Do you get that illustration? We're, we're not putting her back there. And you know, some people just fight about that thing and strive and be envious. Well, I just, I just don't understand. That's what I want to do. Well, you know, God sets people where they need to be set. It's so strange. I've watched Christians that want to do other things so bad that they don't know how to do, but they're not willing to do the things that they're able to do. I don't get that. I think those porters were valiant men. Are you willing to be a porter? Some guy says, well, I don't want to be a porter. I, I, I want to be that priest. Well, God didn't want you to be a priest. He wants you to be a gate, oh, just a lowly gatekeeper. Boy, the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the, in the tents of the wickedness. I, I'd, I'd rather be exactly where God wants me to be. God, if you just want me to open and close the door, I'm willing to be set in the place that you want me to be. You see the value of that in the body of Christ? Well, let's move on. Let's go to verse 10. We're going to get some different people now. They're put in a different place. Verse 10, of the priests... You know, everybody, God don't want everybody to be a priest. God don't, he didn't want everybody to be a pastor. He didn't want everybody to be a missionary. We just need to let God put where he wants, who he wants there. Jediah, the son of Joerib, Jachin, Sarai, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Michelin, the son of Zadok, the son of Mariath of the... That the son of Ahitab was the ruler of the house of God. He ruled the house of God. So he's in that temple area and he's ruling there. Somebody else may want to be the ruler there, but, but they, they weren't given that job. He's the ruler of the house of God. Keep reading. He said in verse 12, And their brethren that did the work of the house. So somebody had to rule the house and somebody had to do the work that was, that was to be done in the house. Somebody had to go light the candle. Somebody had to clean the, the drapes. As a matter of fact, you keep reading with verse 14. And their brethren, uh, or excuse me, drop down to verse number uh, 16. And Shebathiah and Josabad of the chief of the Levites, watch it, had the oversight, I like this, you need to look at this, of the outward business of the house of God. These are businessmen for the house of God. But there's an, there is an outward business of the house of God and there's an inward business of the house of God. You know, here, here in our church, we have some outward business that needs to be done. We have buildings that need to be built. We have things that need to be repaired. We have garbage cans that need to be take, taken to the road. Amen. We have floors that need to be mopped. Yeah. We have things that need to be vacuumed, things that need to be uh, looked after, sometimes toilets that need to be cleared out. I was blessed the other day. I don't remember what day it was. Somebody came out and said, Preacher, the toilets are all stopped up back here. I said, I need a man to go back. I had like five men running back to the back. See, who's in, who gets in line to put their hand in the toilet? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Somebody's got to be willing to do the outward business of the house of God. Somebody's got to be willing to count the money. There was a day here we struggled to find somebody that was willing to spend their time after church. Guys, the, the, we don't have a machine that counts it all by itself. 
Somebody's got to sit there and count that money. And then write it down on the ledger. And divide the mission money. Are you with me? I don't do that. We got some we got other people to do that. Somebody's got to take it to the bank, make a deposit. Somebody's got to, to do the, the grass work. There's all types of outward business for the house of God. But but what if Brother Monty came up to me and said, I tell you what, preacher, I, I'm tired of mowing this grass. I want Jerry's job. What if Jerry came up to him and said, Preacher, I'm tired of counting this money. I want a Sunday school class. Is anybody listening tonight? All these people fill different jobs in the house of God. But if you're selfish, nobody ever fills a job because I just want to do what I want to do. The outward business of the house of God. Somebody had to bake that bread and take it in there every day. Somebody had to arrange the furniture and dust it off. Somebody had to bring in the oil. The outward business of the house. And I'll tell you this. That was no more or less important than the other business. That's what he's trying to tell us in 1 Corinthians 12. It doesn't matter if you're the foot or if you're the hand or if you're the eye or if you're the ear. Amen. Or if you're the last toenail. It's all important. It's all necessary. Just let God set you where He wants to set you. The outward business of the house. Well, what about the inward business of the house of God? Well, there's a couple other outward business. Look at verse number 22. It said, the overseer also of the Levites. That's, That's another. Just having to get people organized together. We have people that have to organize things. Or we'd show up for Sunday school and nobody, somebody would not have a teacher. Somebody's got to organize that thing. How about verse number 24? And Pethahiah, the son of Meshezabiel, of the children of Zerah, the son of Judah, that was at the king's hand in all matters concerning the people. He sounds like some PR dude. He's just the go-between for the people. You got a problem? What is it? He's the go-between between the the king and the people, making sure everything's done in the, in, in, the, in the place like it needs to be done. He just filled a different position. But what about, I'm trying to get that inward, and I'm not going to be long tonight. I'm, going to try, I'm trying to get this inward work of the house of God, the inward business. Now, now listen to me real carefully. Some people think the only business of the house of God is the outward business. The business of our church is not just how we spend the money. It's not just our buildings. It's not all that business. The greatest business of the church is the spiritual business that we're engaged in. And we ought to make everything a spiritual business for the Lord as we submit our hearts to the Lord. But sometimes people get all that out of whack. They think, well, this is more important over here. But I want you to look at what it says down in verse number 22. The overseer also, the Levites at Jerusalem, was Uzziah, the son of Bani, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Madaniah, the son of Micah, of the sons of Asaph. Watch it. The singers were over the business of the house of God. 
What does that mean? Singing was a part of the business. Lighting the candles wasn't the only part of the business. Singing was also flaying those animals and taking out the ashes wasn't the only part of the business. Those singers had a part of the business, but I would think that's more of the inward part. They're getting up there singing for the Lord. And God, it was a full-time job. Look at verse 23. For it was the king's commandment concerning them that a certain portion should be for the singers due for every day. He paid the singers. Every day they got paid. They had a full-time ministry. <laughs> Can you see the dear brother bringing in the wood every day? So I tell you what, I wish I had the singer's job. That's God. He don't have to do anything but get up there and... <laughs> now I'm busted my back. Are, y'all, are you listening tonight? And I got to bring in this wood every day. And that, that, that sucker just gets up there. All he does is open his mouth and sing every day. And they're just laying it on him every day. You know why? Because that's God's business too. You do your business and let them do their business. Just let's all do the business of God. The singing was important. I don't know why I don't get to sing. I'm not going to go there because I don't want to make anybody mad tonight. I could go there. Look at chapter 12. A lot more names. But in chapter 12 and verse number 45, and both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the the purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. I'd say that's some of the inward business of the house of God. David was so smart. He said, I tell you what, we, we want to have the soldiers, but we also want to have the singers. Amen. It's all right if you can't carry a tune in the bucket. Sing in the shower. It's all right if you can't sing. Sing in the congregation. We won't be able to hear you. Unless you're screaming. By the way, screaming's not singing. That was free. I believe in singing. I believe in singing loud, but singing is not screaming. Some people can sing. Some people can't sing. That's all right. Just do something else. Go, go hold a baby. There's some people in here that don't do that very well. The singers were an important part, not just that. Would you look back at verse 17 of chapter 11? This is really my last point. I can't hardly believe this is part of the business of the house of God. I can't even hardly believe this is a full-time position, but it was. Nehemiah 11, verse 17, And Madaniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zabdi, the son of Asaph, was the principal to begin the thanksgiving in prayer. Somebody had the position to be the first person that's always getting up and thanking God and getting a hold of God. They're the, they got, they had, that was their job. Look at chapter 12, verse 8. It wasn't just one person. There's a whole group of people. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 8, the Bible says, Moreover, the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Cadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Madani, 
which was over the thanksgiving. They had a whole part of the business of the house of God that all they did was give thanks to God. Look at verse 24. Nehemiah 12, 24. And the chief of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Kedmiel, with their brethren over against them, to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, ward over against ward. This is what happened. God says, we need to structure this that everybody is set in the people of God to fulfill everything God wants us to do. And I know that there's some people that just come in and they've always got a good attitude. And so you're the guy every day we want to get in and you come in and you start thanking God. What if we had a full-time position on the church to somebody just thank God all the time? I tell you what, that full-time position of prayer would probably be a pretty valuable thing. Spurgeon, every time he preached, he had people underneath his feet, amen, down under, uh, under his platform that were doing nothing but praying. That was their job. There's all types of business, inward and outward for the Lord. We just need to fill the role. Now I wonder, is there somebody so thankful in here that if we gave you that job to do, say, hey, brother, we need you every, every day at 9 o'clock to get up and just start thanking God for the church. Would, 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 that be a, would you be able to fulfill that job very well? Sister, we need you at uh, 10 o'clock every morning to get up and get on your knees and start praying and interceding for the church and the ministry of the church and the people of the church. We need, we need you to have that ministry of prayer. Well, would you be able to fulfill that? Would that be something you could do? Would you be good at that? Or would you say, I, I, I just don't think I, I want that position? Well, what position do you want? I'll tell you, church. This right here is not a position. God didn't set you in the body to sit on your can. Is that plain enough? There are singers. There are wood carriers. There are thankers. There are prayers. There are priests. There are people that offer themselves to go live in the city. And every one of them are doing what they're doing for the benefit of the people of God. Not their own benefit, but for their benefit of the group. And may we offer ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want to do what's best for the body. Just set me wherever you want to set me.